Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is a comedian and writer. His show, Autistic License, is sold out of the fringe, so we got him too late to actually help him promote <laughs> it. It's Ian Lynham. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, and Sarah. I'm delighted to be on. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I think the, the the most fundamental part of being invited onto Juvenalia is being called an interesting human. That's always delightful. <laughs> like, it's the affirmation part of it, really. Like anything else, it's just a a bonus. Yeah, no, it's all. Um, but yeah. Cool. Uh, you have picked a topic. We, we're, now doing, we're doing two episodes in a row of things that are super important to Sarah as well. So, so I'm going to. We're doing radio. Keep... We have to do radio event next. I mean, this is. Yeah. I'm just going to. Uh, I'm going to hold my nerve this time and not do what I did last time and just steer the ship. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to exercise so much control. So, uh, yeah. Ian, do you, do you want to tell us what you're uh, you're bringing to the table? Yeah. So my, my topic is Red Dwarf. The. Uh, the, the sitcom of uh, I suppose BBC and now Dave property mm. with uh, yeah was it a Grant Naylor Productions like it's and Ed By originally for the first four series but um, mm. I I could not believe my eyes when I first found it I did actually I found it on UK TV Gold before it became Dave some I'm of that generation but um, mm. it, it was such a fascinating weird thing that didn't seem to have any parallels um and like to be honest now actually re-watching a few of the episodes i could see the many moments where like this show was walking so like for example rick and morty something like that could run like mm-hmm. in, in many ways they actually did the the, the the was it the butter spreading robot thing they you know they had a talking toaster it was yeah. all there <laughs> they, and if anything yeah. probably like more fleshed out but it was it was it was interesting in the sense that they balanced such like high concept stuff with uh you know the the regular rhythm of of 80s um sitcoms like i like it's a weird, a weird thing i noticed from from rewatching is the uh there's a lot of similes in um in 80s comedy like black and red Dwarf so, there's always like thing. yeah 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 but there's always the you're more duh than a duh than a duh yeah it's mm-hmm. uh it's a, a common format but um yeah. the is that the one or john where like holly says that he has a iq of six thousand, which is like which is the equivalent of six thousand pe teachers that's like and that's kind of sets the format for it like mm. all the way through yeah mm. uh i guess give us the like the the, the setting for if people who haven't watched red dwarf before yeah so it's it's set in the future and like in continuity like they they i think they changed the century several times it's like 21st then 23rd then 22nd but it, it's at a point where humanity is now doing long haul uh mining operations on spaceships uh the main character dave lister gets cryogenically frozen because he commits a space crime uh of, of harboring a cat and when he wakes up from said uh cryo sleep it's three million years in the future and everybody he's ever known is now dead uh except for his uh bunk mate whom he has a difficult relationship who is now a hologram uh essentially a projection of himself that can interact with the world and uh the oh yeah and the uh the 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 eponymous cat which evolved from uh, the cat that was left in his his quarters and has now become like feline sapien, I think is the the full term. Mm-hmm. 
like they, they, and he's like, also last of his kind, but then as well, isn't he? He he's he's the second last of his kind, according to the okay. uh, in the first series. But uh, although I, like, I think that like they flit around with that in terms of continuity, but um, like they, it, it, I mean that's that's remarkable in itself. They managed to squeeze so much into one pilot in terms of world building. Mm. It's the world building is effortless. Like all Rimmer has to do is say that he's a hard light hologram, and you understand what that is. Like the writing, the science fiction aspects of the writing for a, a, what is effectively a buddy comedy is surprisingly elegant. Like it shows you everything that you need to know about this future and this mining ship that we've landed on without burdening anybody with like heavy exposition. It's really done with a light touch. They do a lot of work with very little effort, like Battlestar Galactica wishes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's really light touch stuff. And it's still funny and it's still warm. I think there is some pathos in it for sure. Like it, yeah. it gets funnier. It sort of hits its hits its sitcommy stride a couple of seasons in, but it definitely does feel like a kind of a a portrait of the last man in the universe, like on this abandoned mining ship. You know, it's got like a dark belly. You know. Yeah, and they they have a great. I think that's like an arc that covers the first two series. Is uh, like Lister's struggles to, mm-hmm. you know, he questions why Rimmer specifically was brought back as a hologram and why not someone else. And I just love that explanation from Holly that like he's the only one that would keep you sane. Like mm-hmm. if it was if it was someone you in any sense liked, they're like you, you needed someone that would annoy the hell out of you to stop you from sinking into insanity. It's to motivate you. Yeah. Yeah, and motivate you. Um, you know, a, a weird note that I made about, like, in terms of the, I know there was a big overhaul in terms of the set design and everything in series three, but yeah. I, I, I really have mixed feelings about that. I really like the series one and series two look. I was because I was talking to mm-hmm. to Francis Breen, uh, another comic about this, about the uh, the Alien franchise, about how those those ships feel so lived in. You know, they're mm, all like they feel gross and old and like ev- everyone's yeah. smoking and yeah. They're like they're miners. They're, they're fucking yeah, they're miners. miners. And, and like that, that is actually a note that I took down is that like um, uh, Craig Charles just knows how to do things with a cigarette in terms of like physical comedy. Yeah. Like the he's an amazing mover. Like he later on became problematic fave. Like we all we always kind of denounce all the work in you know of, of our juvenile things and being like maybe Craig Charles isn't very sound now. But yeah. within the you know the story the, within the capsule of this this work. He's very physically funny. Mm. He's very, very funny. It's just such an effort. Like in the opening scene when he's being reprimanded by Rimmer before the, it's it's like a bit that gets me every time is when he just starts eating some vindaloo and he like takes a cigarette and puts it in his ear while eating. Yeah. Just... yeah, I can see that. I've watched that so many times that I can see that. And he has dreads like at the back of his head, which sort of like, I feel like they cut them off a couple of times on him, which is horrendous. I feel mm. like, did they cut it? There's an episode somewhere in the middle where they cut his, his dreads off with like a, a, a chicken carver. Oh yeah, it's really difficult to watch. It's really, it's really like, oh, it's a, it, it's a lot. But the, the physical humor and the physical chemistry they all have is off the charts. I though I do believe that uh, the two actors didn't get on. Craig yeah, Charles and Craig Charles and Chris Barry for the first two series, and you can really yeah. see it. There's a bristling, isn't there? It, it, but like, it's like it really sets off certain episodes. Like uh, they're in the Waiting for God episode. 
that I think there's a moment where he properly erupts saying like, I don't care about these books, you know, I just want to find, and like, he's, he's giving it like 10 times more aggression than the line actually he's means. So pissed. <laughs> yeah, he's so pissed. But, but it, it's interesting you noted in terms of dreads, because the, the main thing that sh shown through for me when I was rewatching was like, God, if this was made today, all of like the alt-right Twitter chuds would go ballistic. Cause like for the first series, especially it's like two out of three of the main cast are black. Yeah, it, it's actually very, it's a really wonderful, diverse piece of work set in space, as so many pieces of work that mm. are set in space are, you mm. know, like A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet is, is a wonderful example of a really compelling um, cast made up of people from all different kind of walks of walks of life. And uh, yeah, it's super, super diverse and nobody kind of noticed. Yeah, no, it's, it's never brought up. I think they, they, they went from the point of view that like, three million years in the future racism just wouldn't be uh, a concept mm -hmm. which is it, it, which is cool because i i read into apparently like craig charles at the time was a urban performance poet like none of the main cast were actors yeah yeah uh, they're all starting chris out. Yeah. chris barry i think an impressionist and danny john jules yeah he's on spitting image at the time yeah right? he has such an impressionist vibe doesn't he, he really does he such mm he like a face for it yeah he had and the i think danny john jones was a dancer which you can just it, it shines through everything yeah. and has recently triumphed on strictly yes. also danny john jules <laughs> has recently re-emerged into the limelight and he's so much fun he's such a delightful character the cat is is arguably the most delightful part of it just like running around shouting at himself like he's fantastic yeah, he's so much fun and it's so hard like I, I remember when i was trying to introduce someone to red dwarf i was trying to do an impression of like oh yeah cat he does this thing and it's you know that like signature move where he screams and does the thing yeah, it's, like, it's so yeah, yeah, yeah. hard to like capture that but he's he's prince yeah and yeah he's prince. Like that's what he does, you know. He just kind of runs around, like having a great time. He's he's and he's his his laws of the universe that he kind of rolls by because he's effectively playing the role of the alien in yeah. the story, right? Because we've got mm. Crichton, who's the robot who shows up later. Um, you know, we've got this this sort of all of the hallmarks of a science fiction cast ticked off: the everyman, the kind of antagonist who's also a hologram. So mm. he's, do you know what I mean? Like you 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 kind of spiral. Weaver, that's a delightful sound you're making with that squeaky toy. Thank you so much for your contribution. Um, but effectively, the way that the cat is written is that he's playing an alien. Mm. Like he's playing, he's playing an alien. Like he's playing, he's he's wonderful. He's fucking brilliant. He, like, I can't think of any character who's had like a a better introduction. Like that, just a straight leap onto the screen. You instantly <gasps> iconic mm. like entrance than cat. Like not even like Jean Raphael and Parks and Rec is like the closest I can think of someone who just immediately took over a sitcom like yeah. from their very first like line it wouldn't really surprise me if john malfio had a little cat in him it, like it wouldn't mm. at all it, it's it's really weird that like in this in the sense that like i think it's been pointed out there's very few like cat centric episodes uh but i just it, and like that is a shame but at the same time you just he does so much with so little in terms of what he's given <laughs> But and if he is the cat, then he only has to do what a cat does, right? Yeah. Which is just like there's a my favorite detail of the cat, and also one of the best jokes the mo the, the it's built up to for so long in one of the episodes. It's where they each kind of meet like they're perfect. I don't. It's later on. There's an episode where they're each linked with like the female oh, or Camille. mate for themselves. Camille, yes. the mind rub. Yeah, she turns into the perfect version of themselves, but 
you're kind of waiting to see who's going to be Kat's partner. And at the very end, it's just the cat again. It's just him. <laughs> and that is what cats do. Cats just love themselves, you know? And it was, I, the delivery is, is it's so slow burning. You're kind of, it's like, I wonder who the cats is going to be. And, that's funny. and then it's himself. Of course it is. It's like, it's, the, I think my favorite, like nailing a cat as a human bit was, um, in the confidence and paranoia episode where Lister collapses from the like space pneumonia and Rimmer comes out and he's just like, cat, you need to like, Lister's collapsed and he goes oh no and he like gets up and then just immediately goes back to eating his dinner (laughs) (laughs) just turns around again but but he but he Dan John Jules that character is um that's how Craig Charles came in apparently the the script there was a concern in the script that the the character of Cat was going to come off as racist and Oh, yeah, that. Craig Charles, hip young urban poet. They thought he would be the person to like have a look at it. It wasn't even for the role. They thought he would just wow. have a good perspective on it. And he then had to beg for an audition. And I love the reason. Oh. I love the reason that they didn't give him the audition initially. It was like nothing to do with like who he was. There was obviously no racial bias. I hope, but it was it was because he was from Liverpool and they were <laughs> mank writers. He's so scary. <laughs> he's such a like. He's so Liverpool as well. But that also is so perfect for this the miner. You know that mm. sort of real like working class thing. It's it's fucking brilliant. Uh, I also have a really wonderful image of the cat walking around spraying things in the corridors going this is mine this is mine yeah this is mine <laughs> this is all mine like every so often bits of it just play in my head because I watched it so much when I was a kid but the cat spraying stuff with his little perfume like this is mine I, this is mine like he's oh he's mine and that's, and that's a lovely like um just a, it's such a like a, a wealth of like potential story options is that it, it, like a running thing is just stealing shit because you know everyone's dead but like there's you know when they need to introduce a new concept oh we were in z deck and we found this you know semi-functional device because the scale of the ship is what's really impressive like obviously it has mm. one of the best theme songs of all time but mm. you have this moment where they're playing that fanfare over the really tinny uh like uh, horn instrument and you can see, presumably, Lister painting the letters yes. on the side of the ship. So you get immediately a sense of, that's a big fucking ship. Mm. Do you know? Like later in the later series, they go out in the bug a bit. They go out in the little yeah, ship. Yeah, Starbug. Uh, but, but the dwarf itself is like in Sex in the City. <laughs> New York is the, <laughs> the character. Yes. The ship in itself is a character. So it really narratively provides, it's a bottleneck because they're stuck on the ship, but the ship is so big that they can plunder it for, you know, supplies and survival stuff. It's a mystery ship, do you know? Like yeah. it's so, so big that they don't know what's going on in that. That Holly's sensors even only go so far. So he Holly didn't know that there was a, a priest Holly. cat down there mm. the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And civil wars happening. And, and, and Holly's yeah. hugely incompetent as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Holly is is just I actually it's interesting what you said with the um the painting the side because it is there's such a sense of majesty mm. to that but mm. what I what I love about it, it it kind of leads back to the like the, it, the world feels so lived in that so many things are taken for granted that like yes that the, that the way that shot is integrated into the actual canon of the show is when uh, the captain it's like oh yeah you've you know eight hours of PT duty and the, like it was the maintenance work of having to paint the so for him he's just like oh this is community <laughs> service so like service. whatever I, and that's a uh, captain uh, Mac McDonald's actor he was he's been in so many things aliens fifth element and he just he, he has such a great face for like generic space guy yeah yeah 
Space face. It's a yeah. fucking thing. He like, has like yeah. space sergeant face. Yeah. 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 <laughs> with, Maybe you're born with it. Like. With, with, with Holly, someone did point out that like, um, it's really interesting that Holly transitions and there's no jokes about it. No, Holly is just Holly later. Yeah, Holly's yeah. just Holly. It's not, it's not even noticed. It's, Holly's just Holly. It's 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 never. Um, yeah, it's it's because weirdly the there was going to be a second part to the alternate universe where they're all women, but they apparently they scrapped it because they just said it came off really creepy and misogynist. There you go, because it is a show about a bunch of dudes being dudes in a spaceship until Kachansky shows up in later seasons, and I'm not really as yes. a fan of the later seasons. I was curious it. about that because I that is a feeling I had with because I, I love Ouroboros. I do actually really, mm. I really love the Lister being his dad thing. It's really, yeah, there's a, so that's kind of what the books are about a little yeah, bit. The pathos, right? the bit, so yeah, the pathos, yeah, sorry, go on. More details about the the last man on earth and this sort of like the cyclical time traveler thing. And it's, 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 it's a bit more in the vein of Hitchhiker's Guide in some regards, mm. you know, but also that that's the story, you know, is that the Kachansky thing basically yeah no the bit where he's talking to himself as a baby and he's saying mm. it's, it's just a really sweet moment of like you think he's this drifter and he's like no this is your job you you're actually doing everything right just by being you it was yeah. it was really nice but I have I have very mixed feelings about Kachansky in that um I agree with the point they made that he comes off a bit stalkery in the first seasons in that he's had like less than 200 words I think Holly says mm. exchanged with her so I get the need to expand her as a as a as a character with history with him, but um, I don't I don't see why she needed to be made posh. That was interesting choice. Yeah, mm. yeah, interesting choice. I don't know. I think because when I watched it when I was a kid, I it didn't it didn't occur to me that there were no girls in it. Do you know? Yeah, it didn't occur to me. And then when she was introduced into the landscape, the the humor changed, the vibe changed. Do you know? Um. Which is fine. Um, I don't think... I, I haven't watched it closely in a minute. I kind of tend to have it on ambiently. I feel like it, there's not a lot of like gay panic in it. I feel like there's a lot of stuff in it that they weirdly sidestepped for sitcoms of its time. But it's obviously... They, they make cracks about girls. But they don't feel inordinately... They don't feel uncomfy yeah. in the way that lots of other shows have dated really fucking poorly. Yeah, and I, I think um, there's a few lines that stuck out to me, but like I, like I think people were talking about it on Twitter that like, oh yeah, it's, it's aged remarkably well in terms of like, it's not a lot of homophobia and someone went, oh yeah, but what about the bit where, uh, uh, where Lister is kissing a guy and there's all these uh, noises and it's played up for laughs and it's like no it's because he was kissing Rimmer that's why it's disgusting <laughs> it's not <laughs> yeah it's because it's fucking Rimmer and Rimmer is a prick and she, and she, like that's why and do, you know, do you know the backstory for that mm. it was because apparently way back in the Hollow Ship series uh, the episode Hollow Ship because uh, Chris Barry got to shift um, Jane Horrocks mm. um, apparently Craig Charles started complaining that Lister wasn't getting any action Ah, so they, brought, they pulled it around. No, so, no, so, not only was it Lister, they had the thing where Lister shifts the siren, the big alien, and then the Gelf. The horrible, oh my yeah. God, and all the goop. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. They just said, okay, you want Lister to get some action, you're going to get him shifting Let's them. And, and they, th their idea of culminating the ultimate example of that was Rimmer. <laughs> Brutal. Because like, you can tell there is a lad culture. Like, it is a show made by lads about a bunch of lads on a spaceship like mm. there is a sitcom culture of it but it doesn't feel as repellent it doesn't feel poisonous it feels like and i feel like science fiction sometimes can do this it can hit this 
marvelous spot where it does just feel like somewhere else and these are just people and the future they live in has different cues and different things in it Mm. do you know Mm. they're kind of past it which is you know maybe me looking back through extremely rose tinted glasses and this play this show taking up an enormous place in my heart yeah but Mm. i think it was pretty by today's standards well it wouldn't fucking get made today one because it's inconsistent and it's a mess also i love that but and it's on a it's on a spaceship and people don't make things in sets anymore and you know there's loads of reasons that it wouldn't get made today but in some regards it was really ahead of its time i you know in um in the only one that st- i actually noticed that it had been it had been cut out of the sky release that i was watching I was watching Mel- uh, Meltdown last night, the one with the uh, the, uh-huh. the wax droids that have all gained sentience yes. theme park. Love that episode. Um, and that, like, it, there's a line where, uh, and I say this is a bisexual man, so uh, <laughs> feel free to cut this line of it. But it's uh, it's when Rimmer is doing an inspection of the troops and he finds St. Francis of Assisi and he's like, oh, there's only two men that come from Assisi, steers and queers. Which one are you? Oh, and, no. Like, it's quoting Full Man Jackal, but I. I know, like, not ideal, but I just found that to be such a funny commentary on River's, like, complete detachment from reality that you thought that that was an acceptable thing to say. To St. Francis, Francis. sir! Yeah, because shortly after that, he made Gandhi do 200 push-ups and he then melted from exhaustion. Fuck's sake. That's later as well, isn't it? That's a later one. That's season four Season five? four or five, yeah. yeah. I watched last night as well, yeah. My golden um, spot is one to three. Like, that's... I, lo- I do. Yeah. I have a lot of affection for three. And that, like, because Marooned is such a great one in terms of... Oh, Marooned's great! Oh, like, the culmination of the anti-buddy comedy, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's because um, I think I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on like there's there's a really interesting kind of class commentary going on between Rimmer and Lister the whole time. The whole time, but I did cut over Alan there. So what were you going to say, Al? Me? Uh, oh no, you keep talking about that because I'm looking up something. So you keep talking okay. about more. So, I want to hear more, so about obviously, Lister is super working class, super like referring the edges. And Rimmer is also super working class with aspirations to the upper class and his aspirations towards growth within the ranks. And he's also incompetent, swimming certificates, etc. Like he's fucking useless and inept at his job. But he has an aspiration towards class transition, which makes him fucking unbearable and worse than he would be if he was actually an upper class person. He's the same as Leicester, but he mm. just thinks he's better, which is really compelling, you know? Because it's odd that the interesting thing is I started watching Red Dwarf just around the time that I stopped going to a Christian Brothers school and was uh, transferred to um, a private school, John Scottis in Donnybrook, wow. largely because of the disability supports that they had in John Scottis. And it's a really tiny school. I know a couple of people who've gone yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the, so, the, the interesting thing is because we don't like in Ireland, in, 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 we don't have like upper class in that sense. And it was so odd because it was mostly like lower to upper, upper middle class kids with a working class kind of parents attending the school. And you could see some there, I, I, I like I knew a lot of rimmers at school. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. People who were just had. Uh, I, I feel like really fancy people call that shit new money. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> and, yes. You know, the worst kind. <laughs> the, the, 
the but like I, I I mean I think that's fitting because Rimmer not not his personality but his name is based on a prefect I believe that both of them had at school. Really? Because I thought that was the one serious gay panic thing that they were running through the whole show. <laughs> Me saying that there was no homophobic <laughs> jokes and like except for Rimmer's like name maybe. Maybe that's yeah. the gag well, he, that they're he is, doing. He is an arsenic. Yeah. He is, though. He literally school, is. Yeah. Come on. It's quite also, rimming doesn't have to be gay. <laughs> In the 80s. Actually, yes, correct. <laughs> Objectively correct, sir. Um, but I. So that was. The, I was like, oh, we keep saying it. So we're going to have to point out that that's a joke in itself. But, um, but yeah, so he's obnoxious. And then he has this. And his, every so often you see these sort of glimmers of pitiable kind of backstory from him but none of it fucking redeems him because he's just awful and mm. then his what makes it even worse is his parallel universe counterpart who is uh ace rimmer mm. uh who is so exciting and so dashing and so much fun um and so absolutely not what uh what's it smoke me a kipper uh back for breakfast yes and, isn't that it and that that actually has the closest thing to a, a gay joke in that episode when he gets flirted, flirted <gasps> with by the secretary and then the captain robert Llewellyn, doubling up uh offers to you know like yeah i'll be covered in honey or something but it's nice yeah it's kind of it's it's, it's not bad yeah but I, I think his response was like uh sorry skipper i'm i'm, I'm you know strictly hetero or something but either like it's not like not he's, cruel, he's not he's not being demeaning towards him as a person for it ace rimmer simply wouldn't he's too much of a gent uh, uh, uh no i'd god ace is just icon i uh the same I don't energy know what, as why captain Slashheart from blackadder is what i would say that yeah. sort of like pounces into the room and like changes yes. the atmosphere slightly yeah I, I remember it like it's such a, it was such a good parody of like a, a, a bond kind of line it's the, you know when he in in his second episode he's like uh hop on the back of the bike princess there'll be time for explanations oh. later and hopefully some sex yes <laughs> like, it's, oh it's he's he's a lot of fun and i think he, the scope that it has is that it, there are moments of seriousness but it is very silly mm. you know mm. but the silliness never feels like I don't know, man. It's just it's just fucking good vibes. It's, <laughs> like it's all not, the way down. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, I think Marooned is the first time they really slow down and stop and mm. kind of get in depth with it. And it's it, it's actually one of my favorite. Uh, like, it's just such a quintessentially Rimmer Lister moment when when they start talking about how they lost their virginity, and Lister reveals that he was twelve, which, <laughs> yeah. and, and then and River keeps going to, and like because they did it on a golf course at night. He's like twelve, and you you, th you think he's going to comment on the fact that this is statutory rape based on no, he's so but, jealous, but then, but then, so jealous. No, but no, but then, no, it's not that he's jealous. He goes twelve, and he's like, then you can't have been a full member of the golf club, which is just <laughs> such an on brand like thing to take out of it there is they they zag so often there's an amazing bit in the wax dries episode where um this was basically describing um a, 
like a gallows being erected and someone being let out and shot by a firing squad. And he's like, oh my God, they're bringing out Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And he, that's, yeah, that's funny. And he goes, and he's refusing no blindfold, the blindfold. Yeah. Because <laughs> I misremembered it as like him being given a cigarette. And like... <laughs> no, refusing the blindfold. It's so it's funny. So... It's such an amazing detail. And there's no way the visual could have backed that up. It was... <laughs> yeah. No, it needs to be. The camera needs to be the other way. The camera yeah. needs to be the other way. It is really funny. It is really mm. well written. Like it's... Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything like it, you know. I think it's got a real lovely edge to it. Like, you, well, the thing I was looking up there was that you were talking about that they wouldn't be able to make it now. And I think generally sci-fi comedy is really hard to do. There was mm. um, Armando Iannucci did uh, Avenue 5 a couple of years ago with Hugh Laurie, which was about a like a luxury space cruiser that Hugh breaks Laurie, down. you say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Fan, it's only okay. It's, <laughs> oh, it, no! It, it spends so no! much time, it kind of has to do world building. It kind of feels like it has to do world building all oh. the time. And it all the like doodads get in the way of just like jokes. Yeah. Which never happens in Red Dwarf. Red no, Dwarf's it's just like, here's the thing, the thing does this, and now here's an episode, and that's it. Mm. You know? Whereas they feel and just the drama kinda of naturally rises from the very small cast of characters. Avenue five is a huge cast of characters because they feel like they need to fill out a ship. Red yeah. Dwarf does not have that problem, it's just no. four idiots. Honestly. Yeah, they pick One up Crichton as well, idiot, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like their 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 yeah. their gradients of character are really mm. brilliant. I feel like I'm like. I don't know. That could be like Kachansky's a problem because like everyone on Red Dwarf, the original four or the like the the core four are like low status characters. And Rimmer thinks he isn't, but he is. But then Kachansky is a genuinely high, high status, status character, character who just throws off the balance completely. So I haven't watched mm. some of those episodes when they aired, so I don't really remember. But is that does that sound like it might be a thing? Mm, I think so. No, I think yeah. that's. I think that's right. I think for me, the the the, the big likability I think of 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 Lister is. Uh, you know, obviously he has as his aspirations for for Fiji and everything, but he he's he compared to River, he just like he has a lot more cause to complain about his life and stand yeah. status than Rimmer. But he's very like, I mean, like the the whole reason that he got frozen in the first place. It's just such a sweet thing that you know you can either uh, give up the cash for dissection or forego eighteen months' pay. It's yeah. like, yeah, he's a, he's just a good guy. He's he a sweet he is, dude, you know? yeah. And his mates, his every so often we see these glimmers. There's a couple of really nice flashbacks where he in the in the pub mm -hmm. where we see his kind of big minery fucking mates and the names of them. Uh, they, one of them has like a Swedish name. They're on the book as well, and uh, they. Um, he's just a. Do you know he's sort of a softy a little bit? Yeah, it's uh, you know Ar I mean? Ar Arthur Arthur Weasley's one of his mates. Uh, yeah, before before, no before fame. Oh, Mark Williams. Mark Williams. Yeah, thank you. Show. Yeah, no Mar way, it's Mar Mark Williams, and he's wearing like a sideways cap, like in cap, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got yeah. like this big tat on his arm, like typical miner, you know, mm -hmm. stuff. I. Yeah, oh. Lister is gentle, he, you know, and like he's a slob and a mess, but like I truly would also be if I was in his position. Yeah, no, he's, <laughs> you know, uh, he's, he's, he's just a good guy. I don't know what else to he's say. Just it's good. He's that, just a I'm good just hero. Good, yeah, because yeah. he is. He's a very he's reluctant good. hero in a, in, not in the sense that he uh, like the, the selfishness. He just doesn't um, assume that of himself. Mm, not at all I, I like them and I want to hang out with them is my thing that's what I always thought and like I'm I'm working on I mean rewrites on a book I've been writing for four years which is set 
Uh, one third of it's set in a spaceship, Ooh. and no, the no, sh- there's no way in any reasonable universe that I can explain that other than I watched a lot of Red Dwarf growing up. Yeah, because mm. that ship and the 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 feeling of it, the sets are very good. The sets are very lived in. They're very real, you know. And I think that there's a a bit of if you get it you get it about red dwarf yeah i i i, do you know? I don't know how, what are your feelings on like later red dwarf and the direction it went and this is i'm not trying to bring this into a it's you know the old stuff was better the, the new stuff is shy but my i have feelings about the trajectory i simply do not observe ah yeah no it's for me i i just felt the weird tragedy of it is that like like i think they've been going too long to have a definitive good finale but I, I just really want to see Lister at peace, and it's 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 getting increasingly tragic as the cast get older. You can't look too close at it. You can't. This is the thing about the inconsistency of the plot and things changing and things shifting. You can't look too close at a setup like that, or else the mystique and the illusion is broken. Mm. Like you can't. And I do think I I didn't watch any of the reboots or new series, so I wanted to. I kind of am, I'm not staunchly against them, but I'm at this point if you were playing juvenile bingo um i don't really like endings mm. so i um i tend to just kind of drop off when i feel like i've gotten a sense of it and sense of the reality i don't really enjoy narrative finality i like unfinished things okay. so when they brought it back i was like i don't need to see these guys now these guys these guys i don't want them to have changed i don't want them to be still doing this all that time later all those Mm -hmm. characters to be still doing it all those times later i think some stories are best told in flashes and instances and for me red dwarf is an instance it's not a complete wrapped up in a bow or like it's i care about it so much and i'm so interested in it and it impacted me so much as a person who makes stuff but i don't want to i i don't want any more okay do you know? No, I absolutely you, and, get and you that. went to, and you and you followed us. You fo- so you followed through. I did. Uh, I, well, I followed through to the end of season ten. I haven't watched season eleven, but um, I think there there are there are some truly quite good uh, elements to to ten. I've heard it described really well as being fool's gold. Like it's it's as good as the gold of like it's on par with the gold of series one to like five, but it's like not quite at the those heights. But I know I I always wanted the follow through on like uh, the um, the Stasis League episode where they said one day Rimmer Lister would find a way to travel back in time and oh, and just vibe yeah. on Earth. I like I, I wanted to see yeah. that happen. I want that for him. The version of him that I have doing that, like the Fiji version, I have that in my head. Mm. Do you know? I like being able to decide things on my own. And I feel like sometimes when shows, especially science fiction, has such a tendency toward this, I find the cracks in it more interesting or more, I I find the cracks in it as important as the architecture of it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think science fiction benefits from imperfection and benefits from, I'm so sorry I'm doing this, I'm doing, I'm so sorry that I'm I'm talking extremely seriously. No, I'm really interested. Whoa, I'm like, oh dear, you're doing it again. (laughs) But uh, I think that science fiction benefits from flexibility. I think it's a dynamic storytelling medium and that it needs to be able to ebb and flow and it shouldn't be rigid. 
I think when we explore stories that are set, so, like, fucking three million years in the future on abandoned mining vessels, I feel like there should be there should be places where that doesn't work and places where there are spots for us to question and imagine is what I think mm. and like I for example you mentioned Rick and Morty at the beginning and I feel like every time I say it like somewhere there's a bro waiting to shout people yeah. Rick at me yeah. you know <laughs> um but I I do ostensibly enjoy all the science fiction shit that they pull remarkably and flashily in front of me I like watching a story that goes off like a Rube Goldberg machine I like when everything falls like I, I am pleased by well executed shit don't get me wrong but I also believe that that the real heart and life of a story that is set in such a wild and strange reality beats through the parts where it doesn't 100% work. And that's why I think Red Dwarf mm. would be made today. Because people need more, uh, better architecture. They don't like cracks. They don't like the unresolved. And Red Dwarf inherently is kind of a fucking mess. <laughs> you know? So that's my, my posit on, on, on the wonky. I love it. You know, Red Dwarf feels mysterious to me. So That's, yeah, I, it's, it's weirdly for me, it's, it's not even that I want like a, a big grand send off. It's just for my like emotional connection to the character. Oh, characters yeah. you know i just like i just don't want them living on a ship forever I, but it's weird oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it, but it is weird though because i think that you know there's that that solid like the the sitcom definition of like uh you know being trapped in a situation that you uh you can't quite leave it's especially common in the uk format but you'd have it subverted with something like it's always sunny in philadelphia where they go back mm. to the bar uh, mm. at, at the end of it but like red dwarfs kind of halfway between those because they they, they are trapped but they they, they 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 time travel so frequently in that show and there's yeah. there's so many opportunities to stop off and just chill wherever they're at but uh better than life better than life come on like hollow decks like there's so many opportunities but they always end up back on the door mm. you know like it's there's a rootedness to it you know there's a way to tell that story incredibly seriously you know mm. like void of the humor and silliness it really is about like the infinite madness of being the last human alive yeah like, like surrounded by lunatics like if they if they didn't play a soundtrack over the scene and there was no studio audience the whole everybody is dead dave it's just existentially horrifying take the laugh track uh the little tiny heaps of dust which of course lister immediately like puts in his mouth head, yeah which i love i love and then keep and then uh, and then spits it out initially and then starts doing it again after again, he's right. <laughs> explained it. you know like the little heaps of dust is fucking chilling it's chilling you know there's is a it? bit in maroon where um where he needs to keep burning stuff for fire is the oh whole conceit of that episode. Yeah. And Rimmer's like, this is the last copy of the collected works of Shakespeare in the universe. This is it. Like, like yeah. that's it. You're going to burn this and that's it. And it's like, yeah, like human survival. Like there's this whole story of like human survival overtakes all cultural and like, mor like moral like needs at the end of the day. And that's, that's pure survival. Like, and, and that's where but the stakes are. You know, the stakes are but always. It's so up here. funny because he's yeah. fucking over Rimmer while he's doing although, that. So although they, yeah. although they, they, they puncture it instantly after he talks about Shakespeare because then he's like, oh, can I, can, can I burn Lolita? And he yeah. says, save, save page 81. It's like, yeah. oh, Rimmer. Gross, Rimmer, 
gross. Yeah. Like it's the bit with the guitar cut out of the back of the fucking mm-hmm. thing. Like it's oh, just it's like such a dick move. Oh, such <laughs> terrible behavior. Yeah, because like, there is there is so many moments in the first two series where it's just like, look, I know he's not a good guy, but he is dead, and you're going through his shit, and he can't really do anything to stop <laughs> you. <laughs> I mean, and that's a lovely interplay as well because Rimmer really can't do anything to fucking mm-hmm. stop him. The hollow ship one is very good as well. That's I really like that one with all the other holograms. Mm. Oh, and that's like, yes. Oh. What, what what's his name? Uh, he oh Shakespearean actor. He's in so much stuff. He's the one who he has a cameo as the one that teleports on board Starbuck. Oh, is it Don Williams? Yes. Like yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I just love the interplay between that whole scene where he's like commentating again craig charles amazing cigarette acting with that where he turns it into a radio because they get because they get really creative with it because you know obviously as time goes on you don't want to show a main character smoking that much but he frequently is either about to light one or he has a pack on him but like Mm. yeah the versatility with that prop (laughs) as somebody smoked for 10 years i'm every so often i'm like i'm pretty sure the reason that i'm a smoker is craig charles in red dwarf like because it's just so handy to have something to pick up and put down you know and like that the cigarette acting and the way that he uses that as a he uses it for everything like i often find myself like using things as a phone or using things as a radio you know to illustrate points and i'm like did all this shit just get (laughs) inside my brain (laughs) like have i got have i got a like a kind of a Liverpoolian like minor controlling my arms potentially <laughs> is the answer you know um yeah there's they're so they explore so much of the kind of magic of, of deep space but also root it right back into the ship and like it's a robot a cat a hologram the last man in the universe and then holly on the screen mm. and Crichton is interesting as well oh the, everything is like, artificial intelligence in that he's brilliant and him debugging his programming and like that's miles miles ahead of its time like that's miles ahead of oh and the whole it really the is. whole beyond a joke revelation where like Cry- oh. Crichton's whole appearance and demeanor is based on like a, a jab towards the creator's ex it's oh. a horrifying it's, thing it's wonderful though and like he he's I don't know like his slowly coming around to humanity is brilliant and like I, I feel like there's there's, there, there isn't great technical continuity, but there's good emotional continuity, if you know what I mean. You know, like they grow a bit mm. and they develop into their weird stations in the world uh, or in this end of the world world that they all inhabit. Um, I, 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 and I do oh, love, I love, the, so the, I love <laughs> the explanation of the continuity leap that like uh, why they had to change actor from David Ross to Robert Llewellyn with like you know oh Lister had to rebuild Crichton from scratch which is why he inexplicably now sounds Canadian <laughs> like that's the <laughs> name perfect like and it, it allows that flexibility and that messiness allows throwaway jokes like that do you know mm-hmm. like that, those imperfections are kind of part of the the splendor of it I think you know yeah I'm, so I watched um the first four episodes and I jumped to Maroon to the end of season three and there is like a a noticeable like growth in like Lister like because he's like this affable and like technician guy in the first season and he's like this leather jacket guy covered in pins by the end of season three and he seems a bit harder and a little less affable and um the shooting style has changed then as well they do lots of like weird handheld close-ups in on yeah. people it's really I really forgot Mar- that was uh, of, but it's really Mar- Mar- marooned is actually entirely handheld really yeah mm. wow 
I didn't know. Well, it is a different episode. It feels mm. different, you know, because it's totally different. It's written differently, but I didn't know it was handheld. That's yeah, cool. no, I only found that I was watching a, a, some convention Q&As. Danny, uh, uh, John nice. Jules confirmed it. Mm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Fucking hell. I feel very warmed and nostalgic about it already. I feel like I, it's sort of a rainy day show for me, do you know? And it, I've watched it countless times and I'm really ready to put it on now. It's After we stop talking, I'm ready to have those boys with me. It's my rainy day show and my hangover show. I tend to watch Red Oh, Red. it's mm. such a hangover cure. Yeah. Yes, it's such a hangover cure. Okay, so your rising sign, your moon sign <laughs> and your sun sign out of Holly, Crichton, Lister, Rimmer and the cast. I don't know enough about signs. Uh, oh, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm not anti, I just don't know. So your sun sign, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to withhold it. Are, I'm going to withhold we do, it. We do some more prep for this new there section. Are, I'm not going to. Sarah's yeah. horoscope corner. Yeah. There, yeah, are, <laughs> there are definitely, there are parts of me in each of those characters, I would certainly say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, as I get older, I feel like when I was a child, I was laughing at them. And now as I'm older, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, OK, that's a bit close. You know, like it's it's got depth to it. All right. It's not just silliness. A hundred percent. Oh, no, I definitely cycle between all five of those people mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. daily, I would say. Yeah. Gotta just aim to be like the cat, man. Just walk around. Yeah. Better make myself look big, you know? Like, <laughs> that's what I want to be doing. <laughs> so, if a person now in the year of our Lord 2021 was to start watching Red Dwarf, what would you tell them from the outset, Ian? I would say uh, just open yourself to curiosity when it comes to that <laughs> show. Uh, don't, 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 don't assume anything of what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, I like that. That's that's dead right. Just mm. assume nothing. Just keep yourself open to it. Thank you so much. This has been great. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd promote the show, but as we've discussed, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Autistic License is happening at the Dublin Fringe. It will hopefully be on later in the year uh, when things open up a bit further. But uh, yeah, and uh, I'm sure... I don't know. Do, do you normally put social handles on this or? Yeah, yeah. Where, where can people find you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like uh, Ian underscore line. I'm on on Instagram and uh, Kixotic Clown like Don Quixote because I was an English major uh, <laughs> on on Twitter. <laughs> Sarah, where can we find you? Oh, in my house, Alan. Uh, at Grifsky on Twitter, at Sarah Grifsky on Instagram. If you like zines or good post. I'm, uh, I I run Zine Club on Patreon, um, and my books are in all good bookshops. Al, what about you? Uh, I'm Alan underscore McGuire everywhere. Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore Pod on Twitter. Juvenalia Pod on Instagram. We have a Patreon as well for Juvenalia. Mm. We have bonus episodes where we talk about what we Which started really and finished in the previous two weeks. They're really good. Like, um, sorry, they're really good. Like, we're doing a lot are. of Evangelion talk at the moment. Yeah. Oh it. Um, yes, I know. Yeah. Sorry, I know. Sorry, I thought I saw your thread. I yeah. Ah, ah. <laughs> I'm going through some shit. <laughs> and in about two months from now, I will go through that shit as well when I catch up. I will yeah. drag everyone I care about kicking and screaming uh, uh, through it. I know, I know. Yeah. It's the real thing. I managed to avoid it completely until the, the like the third lockdown. I think it was that I that are or the the third impact lockdown, whatever you want to call it. It comes to <laughs> it comes from to everyone in the end is what yeah. it does. So you better get on it sooner. So if you want to hear a very uh, in depth 
spoiler free discussion of mm-hmm. the first six episodes uh we have a chat about that recently uploaded onto our patreon but we do started and finished started and finished every two weeks so basically yeah. if you subscribe to our patreon you get a fresh piece of um juvenilia uh adjacent content every week mm. so uh, yeah. oh thank you d mcdonald for our artwork thank you d uh, thank you, Cassie Tall Tales for I love you, Cassie. Tall Tales podcast. I love you. I love you, Cassie. And check out all the other Tall Tales podcasts. There's loads of them now. There's new yeah. ones. Uh, they're all good. They're all doing really well. Um, they're all worth checking out. And yeah, we'll see you in two weeks, everybody. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.